0: The Good Nature podcast comes to you from Conservation Optimism and its founding partners, Synchronist Earth and the University of Oxford.
1: Welcome to Good Nature, a podcast where you can join us for uplifting chats that shine a light
0: on conservation challenges. In each episode, we interview an inspiring conservationist. Our fascinating guests come from many backgrounds artists, scientists, activists, and many more. I'm Sophia, a PhD student focusing on marine conservation.
1: I love doing science and telling stories through film, writing, improvised comedy, and
0: now podcasts. And I'm Julia, a science communicator and journalist. I'm passionate about sharing what people are doing to make the world a better place. We know these are quite hard times and, you know, everyone needs to have a bit of a pick-me-up so We're hoping that these conversation will inspire you. Hey, Sophia. Hi, Julia. Today, I'm really thrilled that our guest is Megan Crump from Key Conservation. She got a bit fed up with the way things were going in terms of, you know, being a conservationist can be really hard. It's hard sometimes to get the support or the funding you need. And she decided to come up with a solution that was a mobile app. I'm really excited that we're going to have Megan on the
1: podcast. Uh, I think that she can give us some amazing insights on conservation at the moment. And then also just about what it can be like to have different phases of careers in conservation. Because she's done all kinds of things. So she started off as a wildlife biologist. But now she has been working on developing this app. I've really gotten a sense of her as a very can-do person. Like she just sees a need, kind of jumps in and then learns what she needs to know on the fly in
0: order to address it. Definitely. And having met Megan, I would say, I have to agree with you. She's a real go-getter. And like once she's got a goal, she really goes for it. And I think it's admirable in a way to just decide to start in a brand new field when you know nothing about tech or app development, I think that's brilliant. And just having to learn everything from the start and from the basics and then building it up is quite amazing, really. And another thing that's really cool about Key Conservation, which is the app that she's
1: developing, is that I think conservation efforts can be very isolated, as in there are a lot of people who have really great intentions and really care about different causes But it can be quite difficult to match up sort of your level of care and what you're able to give with an actual project that needs what you can give or that needs help in a particular moment. The app, I think, will be great in terms of
0: fostering connection and then also making it easier for people to help and receive help. Definitely. And actually, that's something that really resonated with me the first time she told me about the app because... I remember when I was younger, um, I was really keen on helping somehow conservation organizations. But every time I checked their website, the only thing you could do was donate money. And, you know, as a young person or like a teenager, I didn't really have money to donate. Uh, So I think the, the fact that, you will now be able to donate a skill as well is going to be something that is going to be a game changer. You know, if you have a bit of like website design skills, for example, you could just say, oh, you need a new website. I could help you build that. And that would that would be your way of donating something to that organization, which I think has been missing so far. So that's something that I found really, really exciting. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm sure that Megan will tell us all about it.
1: So let's start chatting to her. Hey Megan! Hey guys! Thank you so much for being here with us today and for joining us on Good Natured. So let's start at the beginning. What drove you to become a conservationist?
2: <laughs> well, I guess probably most people would say that it is in the conservation field, is like it wasn't a choice, like it just was in you from the beginning. And I think I was definitely one of those people. I can't remember a time that I wasn't obsessed with the natural world or trying to explore it somehow. And I just once I found out that could be A career i mean it was a no-brainer for me so yeah from the
1: very beginning you must have done this a million times by now but do you think that you could just give us like your really quick elevator pitch description of what key conservation
2: is so key conservation um we're helping conservationists receive critical funding and support through a mobile app that provides real-time updates on daily campaigns so the app will have a scrolling live feed that will update as needs occur from conservations around the world. And the app will provide three ways for conservations to get help and three ways for supporters to give it. So the first way is through a feature for teachers called Skilled Impact, which enables supporters to give their professional skills. For example, a graphic designer could help with outreach campaign. A drone operator could help with collecting data, you know, stuff like that. So just having these skills to help conservation save a lot of money, but also get people to get deep, more deeply involved with what's going on in the field. Second is uh, supporters can give uh, funds to conservation projects, so this is different in the sense that everything is itemized, so you can actually see exactly, and you can select what you want to give to. So 100% of all the donations will go directly to these organizations. And the third way is um, the in-person feature, which allow, uh, allows supporters to be alerted to real-time volunteer opportunities in our area through geo-based push notifications. So instead of an uh, organization reaching out on Facebook or whatever, say this is going on, we need your help, they can actually send... A push notification to a set demographic in their area about something that's happening right now, so they can actually get the help that they need. So then, after the contribution of the has been put to use, the organization will send back a photo or video update to the supporter to show the outcome of their support. So that's kind of the whole idea in a nutshell. There's other features that we're building out from like groups and events and different things like that, but the idea is that uh, people from all the world in the world can be on the front lines of conservation and actually see how their individual support made a difference.
0: Amazing! One thing that I find really impressive is the fact that you then Transition from being a field biologist to then become a, some kind of tech entrepreneur. So I was wondering could you tell us a bit more about your background and what led to the creation of Key Conservation?
2: My background is a wildlife, I'm a wildlife biologist. I've worked with a lot of different organizations from nonprofits, federal agencies from like the park service, academic institutions, zoos and I've worked with a lot of different types of species as well from You know, working uh, on invasive plants, sea turtles, bears—you know, different, all different types of things. And I just found that every organization that I worked for, no matter what it was or how much funding they had, they all had similar problems. And that usually was like lack of funding, access to a global or local audience, being able to get to them in a real-time manner, or uh, having supplies set aside for unplanned events such as like a hurricane or you know, wildfire, something that would come through and devastate a a population. And they didn't really have a lot of access to like skilled help. My background kind of formed this whole basis of uh, building key. It was a lot of little things that started building up but then there was one particular uh, incident when I was working as a sea turtle uh, researcher where we had run out of funding for our project and we were working in an area where there was a lot of uh, affluent tourists who had a lot of funding they could give uh, and we were struggling just to even pay for gas to go and save like um sea turtle um was getting washed out to sea and I was like there's such a disconnect here between the work that we're doing in the field and the people around the world who love wildlife or nature in general and I was like there needs to be a better way for us to reach out to people and, and get them involved so that's kind of where the idea for Key started.
1: So just thinking about all of these kind of different types of conservation that you've done, what skills did you already have as a field biologist or as a field
2: conservationist? And what did you have to learn from scratch in order to make here a reality? I think if you're going to be a conservation, conservationist, the number one skill you can have is being adaptable and not really like taking no for an answer, I guess, in a way, because you have to be resourceful. You have to find a way to help the species that you're working with. It means a lot of time working with a lot of different stakeholders or meeting new people People that are in you know the area that you're trying to work with or convince people to support you so a lot of the skills that conservationists already have are really prime for you know entrepreneurship I just think that for me I have a hard time complaining about the same things over and over again so when I want to do something I you know if there's a good support It's like okay yeah we can commiserate and this is, this is bad but okay let's get to the what is the actual problem here let's not put a bandaid on a bullet wound, let's fix the bullet wound. And so for me, it was like, okay, I can't, let's, let's find a better way. And I know there's so many other conservations out there that had similar problems. And I was just tired of everyone struggling when I knew there were so many people around the world that want to make a difference.
1: And how has the process of making the app changed your perspective and your approach to conservation?
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that um, sometimes some of us might be fed when we're little is that like you have to be a specialist in one area of conservation. And I would argue that having a lot of different skills outside of conservation is probably one of the most powerful things you can bring to conservation. And it's okay to take a different path like into this world. And you can make just as big a big bit of a difference as someone who spends their life specialized in one thing. And so those skills and just talking to the the general public who have all these amazing skills that we need in conservation and how excited they are to potentially utilize them. It's exciting to see that coming together. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is you can dive into your other interests and it can actually make you a better conservationist overall.
1: Yeah, I think that's super true. I think that so often in conservation, we kind of are way too narrow about what a conservationist is or what a conservationist does. And actually, you can be bringing in skills and just doing different things uh, and still be contributing to the causes that you care about.
2: Exactly, and like I, I mean, I'd argue that right now is an all hands on deck situation, <laughs> you know, with the world. And how exciting would it be if we can empower everyone with their own talents, uh,
0: I mean, the world would be, it would change overnight. Definitely. And I think what resonated with me as well, personally, is the fact that, you know, this, this idea of interdisciplinary uh, work and the fact that you can have one more arrow to your out. I don't know if that's an expression in English or if it's something in French. And actually, that brings me to our next question really nicely, because we were wondering, so, you know, obviously you've done quite a transition. What are the biggest challenges you've faced on this journey to develop the app? And did you have any technical people related or like motivation issues and what has helped you overcome them? Oh, I think the number one thing is uh, not being in the field. <laughs> you know, that's where my heart
2: is. That's where my soul is, like being out there, hands on, working on the uh, um front lines. But I'd have to remind myself that I'm trying to build something to help all of my fellow conservationists to be able to do that and and get back out there for myself as well. Um, So I think that's like just the hardest thing, you know, when you're tapping away at a computer, you're like, oh, I just want to be out (laughs) and doing, you know, the things that you, you know, used to do what you love learning everything from scratch, like when I started thinking about doing an app, I had no idea like how to even make an app. So I ended up taking a couple of like courses online about how to do UI, UX design for, for apps. And I, you know, I downloaded like over 50 apps, just researching like, why did I like what's out there? And did kind of, I call Key our Frankenstein baby, because it's like a bunch of features from different apps that I love. And uh, I had to build both sides of the app. So from the conservationist side and then from the supporter side, and so that was really complicated to figure out how they all would interact together and so I designed each of the art boards for every single screen so every button that you click had to go somewhere so I had to design that whole thing out so it took me over a year to you know, design. And so I was really complicated. And then I had to do that on top of, you know, working and doing uh, school and stuff. Just finding those right resources was really hard. There's not really like a place for conservation entrepreneurs. And since then, I've been able to find uh, the support that I, I needed. I actually made a post on Wild Labs and said, hey, is there like a conservation tech startup for people who have ideas like mine. And from Wild Labs, I was able to be connected with Conservation X Labs. And they, you know, help support all these really ambitious conservation solution ideas. And they were able to give us some support. And then I was able to get connected with Conservation Optimism. And they've been able to give us the support. And so it's been a journey of building relationships and partnerships and people who believe in the bigger vision. It's really about not giving up and really reaching out for that support and keep believing in your
0: idea even when you want to give up, I guess. <laughs> so would you say this network aspect was one of the most important part of like the support that you've got? Definitely. I think that's probably the best thing in
2: conservation is your network. It's Sometimes people have a hard time asking for help. It's just more about like being humble and being like, I don't understand this but being willing to to learn. Like I think a lot of people go into life and say, oh, I don't know that. It's like, well, every single person that's an expert started not knowing anything, you know? And so if you think about from that perspective and you just keep chipping away at it, like eventually you'll know so much. And now, I mean, now I know how to design an app and like I never would have thought, you know, and I designed a website and all that stuff. And it's crazy, but you know, these things happen if you are passionate enough and you don't,
1: I love that idea that you kind of, everyone has to start somewhere and everyone who's now an expert used to know absolutely nothing, but by caring, you can kind of get there. So now a more general question. What makes you optimistic about the future of nature and conservation? And why do you even think it's important to be optimistic if you do?
2: (laughs) Well, I definitely do. Well, I always make the argument that you wouldn't be in conservation if you weren't optimistic because you go into it every day saying, I feel... The work that I'm going to do is going to make a difference. So right there, I think, unless you're just doing something to pass the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited, especially, you know, what's going on here with the conservation optimism movement, like we've seen it grow so much the past couple of years here. And I'm excited about our partnership, because, you know, what we're working on with uh, conservation optimism is, you know, when they share a story about what's going on with an organization on their blog, the idea is that, you know, we will be able to yeah, have a button where you um, readers can click it and they'll t- be taken directly to the Key Conservation app and be able to learn more about that organization and have like direct um, actionable steps they can take right now to do more. So instead of reading a story and be like, oh, that was really nice, they can do something and, and be a part of it. You know, we just see now how many people are looking at what's good out there. And so, you know, I've been talking to a lot of Different organizations about the help they need. And the other side of what I do is actually talking to the general public because, you know, we do a lot of outreach uh, to, to get people involved. And our goal is to not only get organizations on the app, but also individuals. And so we want to hear from people who aren't directly working in conservation and get their feedback. And I hear all the time about the different skills that they have. And I know what these organizations need because I met me with them. And it's just so exciting to see the skills that are just waiting in the wings to help all these organizations. And I think it's just going to be a game changer. And I just can't wait to see all that in action. So I'm optimistic about um, small acts making significant change around the world.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely one of the features that I was most thrilled about when you first told me about it. I love this idea of you can donate skills. So, you know, say you're a web designer and you might want to help an organization make their website better then now you will be able to do that through the app, which I think is amazing.
2: Yeah, I mean, especially now with everything that's going on in the world, like the the fact that we can empower people from their couch to be on the front lines and make just of a significant difference as someone going there in person potentially, because they're able to use their skills or fund something directly, and they can see the people behind it and they can, have a deeper relationship with these organizations than they normally would if they're just giving you know a, a set amount a month every you know not really understanding the impact it's having yeah I just think that right now the the conservation sector is is right for a revol- like a revolutionary change and I'm excited to bring the general public on board instead of just being our exciting movement <laughs> it's already great so we ask a version of this
1: question to every guest on the podcast just to kind of get a sense of what's important to them in a conservation context. If you had to pick one organism to highlight and make a case for, so it could be an animal or a plant, or I guess you could also choose a fungus, since we tend to focus on multicellular things, um, what would it be and why?
2: Oh, man. Um... Well that's that's a that's an evil question <laughs> because there's so many. Um I don't know. I mean, uh I always talk about the ala, which is the Hawaiian crow, um, because they were the first species I worked with that was extinct in the wild at the time. I was working on the Big Island, Hawaii, and it was we work in the captive breeding program before they're gonna get released to the wild, and they're just you know, they're so smart, they're so charismatic and, and they're just it's, it's really powerful when you are up close to a species that's been on the verge of going extinct. And I get kind of emotional thinking about it. And I remember, you know, walking up to their aviaries, you know, take care of them, and you hear their calls, you know, and it's just like, uh, it's so powerful hearing that and being like, wow, this could be lost from the forest forever, what we're doing right now here matters. And, and I think that was a changing point for me personally, because you know, I went, we went out looking for potential other wild uh, alala that might be there out in the forest or, and I was talking to a couple of the locals and a lot of them didn't even know what the alala was or that they even existed. And it like bothered me that people didn't know their own, you know, species that were amazing in there from their area and stuff like that. And I was like, well, that's just kind of how the world is. You know, people forget that nature is part of their heritage and who what makes them who they are and from their city or their country and I um I feel like the Allah like made me kind of think about that in in a way that so I guess I make the argument for them they're now uh been released into the wild which is exciting so they're no longer extinct in the wild they're trying to get back out there um and it it's just kind of a symbol of potentially thinking about nature as your heritage and to remember that these species that are from where you are are part of who you who you are as a country and and I think that is a nice symbol for that because the Hawaiian culture is really um, amazing and deep and so it's just something I think that's something maybe it's something a different way we could look at conservation in the the world I guess.
1: Such an interesting take on the question. Really cool.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's the perfect way to end this podcast, actually. We have an example from a species that was once extinct and is not anymore. Like, can you get any more optimistic than this? So that's really brilliant.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Well, thanks for having Bye. me. Bye. Bye. That was so great. It was so interesting. I loved her description of the forest in Hawaii, and going out there and kind of hearing these calls and just thinking about what would happen if the crow was gone. I think, to me, it really highlighted the emotional connection that conservationists can have to animals and places that they really care about.
0: Yeah, and I thought what was really interesting about that point as well is the fact that she was saying lots of people didn't really know the species, like local people from the area. And I find that to be, you know, it's true in so many different instances, which is something that I think is quite empowering because it means that then you can raise that awareness for that species, you know? So I think that's something that can be a positive as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, in the end, everyone has different priorities, right? Like there are so many people who aren't necessarily thinking about, for example, the crows in the forest, right? Like for for perfectly good reasons, but you're right. It's just like an opportunity to go out there and get them to think about it and and realize what an amazing heritage and and like what cool animals they have around there that they can learn about and connect to
0: yeah and it's definitely everywhere as well like in the UK I've heard so many people for example who didn't know what a pine marten was and then that gives you the opportunity to go into really cool projects and how it's been reintroduced to various places and I, I find that really cool the fact that it's you know you can raise awareness of species everywhere
1: It's true. I mean, I personally have a big thing for eels and I have found in so many situations, like I don't understand how I end up talking about eels in so many, you know, it's like my friends (laughs) know that I'm obsessed with them. I ended up on a first date just being like, yeah, what? Sorry, you haven't heard of eels. You know, it's just like, I don't know, you become an ambassador for the animals that you care about and their amazing life cycles. What did you find interesting in the interview?
0: I really like the fact that she put a strong emphasis on networking and And not just, you know, networking with like people, but how organizations are stronger together. And I think it's really true, like more and more, we're seeing these collaborations between organizations where we realize that we can be so much stronger by working together and just making sure that we let each other know what we're working on.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think so much of conservation and so much of the joy of conservation is in working with other people. And finding other people who care about the things that you care about. Because it can be very lonely being the only person who's worried about something or who really cares about something. And it's just, I don't know, I think there's always that thing of coming up against problems. Like you're you're working on something and you and you come up against a challenge. And in those moments, it's just so nice to have someone else who's aligned with you and who wants to get to the same place that you do. So that you can hopefully kind of pool your skills and your thoughts and
0: everything to, to move forward. Well, Sophia, that brings me very nicely to the last point I wanted to raise, actually, which is I love the fact that she showcased how it's really possible to still pivot in your career. Like, you know, you don't have to be stuck in one way of being a conservationist and you can always learn new skills. There's so many ways that we can just always transition and it's not one clear line. Your career doesn't have to be fixed. And I think that's really, really, I find it personally really thrilling.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you and I are fairly similar in being interested in multiple things. I mean, I've always had a crisis basically my entire life of being like, oh, I love writing and I love doing communicating and I love drawing and, and whatever. But then I also love doing science. And it's just thinking, well, actually, your life is not set. These paths are not necessarily just one strict way. There are lots of ways of of doing it. And I think even if go getterness is not a uh, technical term, it may not yet be in the Scrabble dictionary. Uh, I think that you know having an element of that is really helpful in being able to combine things that other people wouldn't have thought of combining and having the confidence to do that and just kind of start up and be like, yep, this is going to be me.
0: And I think that's the perfect way to end this episode. So that's it for now.
1: Yes, so thanks to Megan Crump, go and look up Key Conservation, especially once it's launched. I think there are going to be some really cool opportunities to share your skills, your money, if you have it, to kind of push forward the conservation causes that you really care about.
0: Brilliant. So that's it for this episode. We hope that you really enjoyed it and we'd love to hear your thoughts or if you want to send us voice notes, you can do this at podcast at conservationoptimism.org. And if you have Anything you want to share, you can also use the hashtag ConservationOptimism on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. This episode was funded by an ESRC Impact Acceleration Account Grant through the University of Oxford. Original theme music composed and produced by Matthew Kemp.